This is WMUC Digital College Park. Welcome to the Injury Report. I'm uh, here with my co-hosts, Brad Weissel and Ben Halperin. Welcome back, everybody. Pleasure to, pleasure to be with you tonight. How's yeah. everyone doing? Wanted to wish everyone a happy Veterans Day. Thank uh, you, Ben. That is very nice of you. <laughs> well, mostly to the people that are veterans. Oh. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Brad. But uh, a huge shout out to our service men and women who go out there on a day-to-day basis and uh, put themselves on the line for us and our country. Well stated, Ben. Um, so before we uh, before we get into uh, into the show, it's been a busy week of sports. Just a few um, kind of housekeeping notes, and um, there's a little. So first, we did a little promotion last week to send us an email: the injury report umd at gmail not a single. Well, there was well, one. Yeah. There was one email. the the <laughs> The prize was that if you sent us an email with your Venmo username, um, I would personally send you a dollar. No one has taken me up so on that, this that, offer. That's a, that's a free dollar. Correct? <laughs> the, the the dollar's on the table, and it will continue to be on the table. So if you're listening to this, you know, probably like a week ago, it's probably still on the table because no one will do it. But um, you know, claim the dollar. Um, second, if you're not already already, um. Follow us on Instagram. Please. Yes. Uh, it really boosts my confidence. Yeah. At the Injury Report UMD. Um, we'll, we, we have updates of when the show comes out, when we're going live. Um, it's easier to keep track of, of everything going on. We're also, if you don't have the ability to listen to the show live, um, like is going on right now, uh, you can listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which if you're listening to this, our analytics tell us that you're probably doing that already so good job yes congratulations but tell your friends rate and subscribe um one other thing for our live listeners um so i guess on a personal note there has been a little change in my life in terms of i'm taking a role um back at capitol hill for um the next couple months so my um while being a full-time student here in maryland so um it's gonna be busy um and because of that i'm actually gonna have to work during this hour. So my co-host and I, um, Ben and Brad graciously agreed to, um, very graciously. Yeah. Yeah. Put that in the record. Yeah. So when you hear this, so we're going to move the show to Monday mornings, um, talk radio Monday mornings. Hey, on your way to work at 8 a.m. in the morning. So, um, it's going to be a little earlier than it is now. I think after the, basically after December, um, when we get back from, from winter break, um, we'll we'll be back to a, a more regular time, but for the time being, um, it'll be Monday morning, same channel, WMUC Digital College Park. Um, it'll be at eight a.m. on Mondays um, for you podcast listeners. Yeah. This changes nothing. Yeah, adding up, uh, we will make it sure actually. To have, the good news is you'll get your news earlier. Yes, yes. we will make so. sure to have the podcast up by four uh, on every Monday. So if you're listening now, this is your your slotted listening time. No need to worry. We will certainly have uh, yep. have everything up. Our uh, production team is on board, and they. Uh, they're not foreseeing any hiccups in this nope, transition. <laughs> um, and by our production team, I mean me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's Brad. Um, yeah. So thanks again to my to my gracious co-host for being willing to wake up much earlier than we normally would on a Monday morning. Um, Anything for you, Valdez. But I think the show will continue to be great. We've gotten some good feedback. If you have um, some other feedback about ways we can improve the show, send us an email, send us a text, send us a peri- uh, uh, a periscope. Car- you know, whatever. Yeah. Yes. However you it get in so. contact, send us a. He's snail mail. You know where we live. All right. Let's get on to some sports because let's that's get what... into the sports. Finally. Yes. Um, so there was a Maryland game. I wanna like if we can talk about this well, the least amount of can time. I, yes. May I interrupt? Yes. We are now in the time of year where you need to now there are always Maryland sports going on at all time, but 
Uh, full disclosure, this show is focused primarily on Maryland basketball and football. So at this point in the year, you need to specify which Maryland game is going on. There was and two the answer is both. Yeah, both. Yeah. Hey. Um, no, there were so there was a Maryland football game. Maryland football officially took themselves out of bowl contention. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so mathematically, we will not get to a bowl. They lost to Ohio State, seventy-three to fourteen. Ohio State scored more points on our football team than Rhode Island scored on our basketball team. The basketball team scored the same number of points as Ohio State. Yeah, not great. Wasn't a great performance. Um, I don't. There was a <laughs> a kid actually decommitted in the middle of the game, yeah. which is just like, it's so bad. Yeah, you're stealing my say something nice about Mark Turgeon, which was that at least no one decommitted in the middle of the Rhode <laughs> Island basketball game. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys, I mean, there's not much really like to take away from it. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Uh, this team, I mean, if anybody thought that they were going to compete with Ohio State, I, I mean, maybe after last year's performance that you would have had some argument, but I, I would have called you crazy and... After about 30 seconds of this game, that was clear that, that there was just no hope for the Terps. Yeah. I mean, they got dominated in every stage of the game. I guess the one bright side is we only had two turnovers somehow against a, a fantastic Ohio State defense, but re- really that's no bright side scary. to this game. That's honestly, that's honestly scary that they scored that many points on that Yeah, that little few turnovers. Yeah. yeah, it's not great. They didn't punt once the whole game. I mean, did you guys have any thoughts about the decommitment? Because I guess that has some implications about the future of the program a little bit. Uh, I think that's one of the the two biggest storylines from from the game. Yeah. The other yeah. is uh, Chase Young being yeah. you know held out, right? But uh, that's not on the Maryland end. Um, that's that's a bad look for uh, for Michael Loxley in the Maryland program trying to you know pitch pitch the future uh not right. exactly the present and and as we all know mike loxley's big into looking into the future um yeah you can say that again do you though. think do you think on that i mean obviously not to speculate too much on what like some high school senior is doing but it, it felt intentional to do it in the middle of the game do you think it's one of those things where the kid had planned it for a while and just is like kind of stupid and does it while they're playing i mean how do you like how do you not know like you can wait maybe yeah, after maybe game. it was the last straw maybe uh, I mean, I, I think, yeah, you really it, think it was kid disrespectful. Went, do you really think that that kid went in the game is like, all right, I'm like if ready they to leave. This game, if they beat Ohio State, then I'm going to stay. Like, yeah, well, maybe on. it was You're like, I don't want to go to a school where I'm going to get humiliated and possibly injured on a, you know. Yeah. yeah. Every I mean, that's play. fair, but you can like still have those feelings and just wait the hour and a half that it, I don't know. Yeah, it I was, mean, again, it's a high school kid. I don't right. want to put too much stock in what he says on every every tweet he sends out yeah. but it, it was a really odd move we wish him the best of luck or wherever he wherever he ends up yes uh so anyways kind of moving on what do you want to what ben do you want to fill us in on what happened with chase young sure so chase young standout defensive end for the the ohio state buckeyes right um was now known as the owner of the maryland terrapins yeah the owner of the maryland <laughs> terrapins yeah after um after a tough battle last year, it was not a tough battle this year. So yeah. Chase Chase Young, one of the top players in the country, uh, considered by many to be uh, a potential number one pick, uh, if not a a top uh, a top five pick for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State held him out uh, of the the matchup with Maryland due to a potential NCAA violation, um, and the there's no uh, official and word from the NCAA right now as to what this uh, suspension would look like, but. Um, it looks like it's going to be four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Ohio State's reasoning was, you know, even though Maryland's a tough, tough program that they wanted to respect. <laughs> right. Yeah, I couldn't even say that one with a straight face. Uh, if they hold him out of that game, that that leaves him, that would make him, uh, so he misses the next three games, it would be 
uh, available for the uh, college football playoff. Right. Would would he be available? I mean, if and, do they have a bye week? Big... Yeah. Do they have? He would be available for the Big Ten championship game too. Right. right? Yes. The, because they held him out of this game, which right. I mean, probably a smart move on Ohio State's part. So I think the details of the story were that he accepted like a loan. Right. So. Um, he released a personal statement on social media where he said that he received a loan from a family friend, uh, paid that loan back in full, uh, didn't realize that that would be problematic, and but according to uh, our friends, the NCAA, uh, that is a violation of rules, uh, accepting money using your uh, against your status the, as a player yeah, using your to, status to get and, a loan. and threatening your amateur uh, availability. I think the the community, and by the community, I mean you know people with brains. Well, yeah, people. Um, <laughs> people pe- who are people who don't work for the NCAA. Yeah, people people that that aren't friends with Mark Emmert are uh, pretty pretty outraged with this, and it comes. And we're going to talk about this later with the number one recruit from Memphis, who right. is also facing uh, potential NCAA suspension. Uh, just a really bad look shows the the antiquated nature of the the rules of the NCAA. How um, they they claim to be uh, focused on giving students uh, the chance to to excel in the classroom and off the field, um, and it just every day seems more and more just like it's it's all about the money and for some reason just maintaining this. I think it's interesting how they they juxtapose this the week after rules. the week after they come out with their statement about image player player image right. and likeness saying right. you know they're, they're trying to be more progressive and they're trying to move towards a model where like don't worry can we're, make st- money. we're still the NCAA yeah, don't they, worry they they have to come out and, and shoot themselves in the foot instantly and be right back in the negative public uh, public perception yeah i mean i hope for the for the product of college football that chase young is is um is out there as soon as yeah. possible right. i think it's smart if you're ohio state you know like i guess he screwed up uh, given the rules that were set um, and so it's smart to hold him out um, against easier opponents. I think it's kind of a shame that he won't get to play against Michigan, but I, it, it, with the way things are going, it looks like Ohio State is going to kind of cruise into the college football playoff um, and might be playing Minnesota in um, in the Big Ten championship game. Do we want to talk a little bit about um, about Minnesota-Penn State? Yeah, I've, I would love to, Valdez. Yeah. So I would say that— P.J. That, Fleck. Yeah, PJ oh, my Fleck. guy. My guy. I mean— I, so I mean, at the beginning of, or not the beginning, during last last show, I kind of called this. I said that the way that Minnesota yeah. will have to win this game is they're gonna have to get out to a really fast start, get on the front foot, and make Penn State try to come back and play from behind. And that's exactly what happened. They got out to a fourteen nothing lead. Uh, Penn State kind of made it close in the end, but Minnesota was really in control for the majority of the game. And I think that that's that was the only way Minnesota was gonna win, and, and they did it. Their their offense looked really good. They were able to move the ball down the field. I mean, at times it looked like Penn State's defense just wasn't ready. They I don't. I don't necessarily want to say they underestimated an undefeated opponent, but I mean, if there's an, an undefeated opponent, you're going to underestimate it. Probably would have been Minnesota, right. and I think Ohio State sort of fell into that trap. Yeah, uh, I think this is the the upset of the year so far, at least in in yeah. terms of of significant implications on the the way the rest of the college football season shakes out. Absolutely, uh, was very you know to echo some of the things Brad said. Um, kind of uncertainty about the strength of Minnesota's schedule up to date. Uh, Penn State with some quality wins already over, you know, over a, I would say, relatively proven Michigan team. Uh, came out there, win, win 31-26, rowing the boat, storming the field at the end. The offense looked, I would say, virtually unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, Tanner Morgan, 18 for 20 with 340 yards yeah, absolutely. and three TDs. I mean, talk about an incredible performance. I mean, that's a, 
you know that that's as good a performance you're going to get out of a college QB. And I and I didn't think Clifford looked terrible, but what, what did look terrible was was the Penn State defense. Uh, really, so Clifford just... threw three picks though, which was definitely uh, definitely hurt them down the stretch. Right. Um, yeah. Defense maybe more holy than some Swiss cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so let's so or let's talk Grant. about. Gary joke. <laughs> Nice. Um, let's, uh, yeah, nothing but the best here on the injury report. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Minnesota's path. So they have three games left against Iowa, um, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. Let's assume that they don't screw it all up against Northwestern, and we'll chalk that one up as the win. With Iowa and Wisconsin, you have, you know, two teams that are still competing for that Big Ten West championship. Absolutely. Um Minnesota is definitely in control of their own destiny and the fact that if they beat one of those two teams, then they're on to the championship game. So um, what, is Minnesota going to be representing the Big Ten West? I really don't. The way that Minnesota is playing and the momentum that they have going for them right now, I mean, the way P.J. Fleck has gotten everybody to rally around that program. I mean, first of all, the guy is wearing a, basically a suit on the sidelines. I've never— And, and his and fashion cleats, choices. Cleats. And I've, cleats. I have never seen anything like it. I mean, shout out to him. Football he's guy. like he's like Absolutely. a proto-basketball coach, football, I don't yeah, even know. Like golfer. Like, yeah, yeah, I love it. I lo- Whatever it is, I love it. He, uh, but um, I don't see him uh, slipping up and losing both of those games. I can't remember if that news broke this week or last week, but PJ Fleck did sign an extension. Yeah, but last week. I yeah, think. last I think week. it was. We. I'm not sure we mentioned it on the show, but he'll be in, uh, in, the Twin it, Cities. The Twin Cities. Uh, what, what do they call Minnesota? The Great, the Lake State. What is it? Yeah, the, the land, land of a thousand, thousand lakes. Land of a thousand lakes. Ten thousand lakes. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be there uh, for the I think six more years. Yep. Okay. That, you know, to me, so they have a two-game lead on Iowa and Wisconsin. Right. Yep. I mean, all they have to do is win one of those games, and like you said, not screw it up. It's really looking like a showdown with Ohio State um, for that CFP spot. Do you think, um, let's say they lose? I mean, I assume if they beat Ohio State, they're into the playoff. Yeah, I don't see if if they. I mean, if they win out, I don't see how on earth. What if they like drop one game? Like, what if they? What if they beat Iowa and lose to Wisconsin at home, and then beat Ohio State in the playoff? I'm undefeated by Ohio State. Sorry, in the Big Ten championship. So that means, so assume Ohio State wins out, we, we, yeah, Minnesota we also drops have a, We also have a, a Penn State-Ohio State matchup where That's there true. could be a, re, a Penn State-Minnesota yeah. rematch. So, so let's, let's talk about that. Is Penn State dead? Yeah, I, I don't think, think Ohio State's going to kill them. <laughs> well, I guess mathematically, no. no. Right, no, mathematically, no. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the, the CFP poll tomorrow night. I think in the AP poll, they only had Penn, they had Penn State at four still. Yeah, they do have them at four. Um, I see them here at nine. Maybe I'm looking I at see something him at different. And... Oh, okay, All right. Well, um, so they so they absolutely still have a path, but yes, like you said, it means beating Ohio State and beating the Big Ten West winner. And I think if those two things happen, they're in. But that's no small feat. Yeah, I mean, I, it looks like the the Big Ten will have a team in the college football playoff this year, uh, at least one, which is which is definitely good for the Big Ten. And uh, yeah, still, it could be a potential. Still, still super up in the air who that could be. I mean, potentially there's. I think there's still room for two. Yeah, I think the situation that, that Tony laid out earlier where if uh, Ohio State or Minnesota wins out and then one of them loses uh, that Big Ten championship where you have a one loss, there's there's definitely a path. We're, uh, 
I think this is a good transition to move into the LSU-Bama game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> Go Tigers. <laughs> yeah. So um, Coach Oak led the upset, and I, yeah, I guess it was an upset in Tuscaloosa. Absolutely. Um, to a take, touchdown, touchdown underdogs. Yeah, to take uh, to take control of the SEC West and the SEC proper, I would say. And um, college football. And college football. And Joe Burrow taking control of the, the Heisman. Heisman race. I yes. Mean, what, what a game. So, so what were your takeaways? So, I mean— Obviously, one, I think the, the, there's a whole—Tuscaloosa is, like, currently burning to the ground. Um, there's, like, a lot of people Is who, Nick Saban coaching for his job? Yeah, yeah right, yeah. Him, no, there's a lot Stevens, of Alabama fans who kind of overreacted. I thought it was a great game. I mean, LSU got out to an incredibly hot start. Um, they they went up big. Um, Alabama then, probably in the second— you know, the rest of the second to through the fourth quarter, they kept it competitive, kept chipping back, but it was just too much to overcome. Um I yeah, think I mean, L- LSU is the real deal. They they really are. I think between them and Ohio State, I think those are the best two teams in the country, and and that would be my projection for who makes it to the college football um, final. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, bro. I mean, I would I would echo basically everything that Anthony said there. I mean, the way that I was really, I mean, Joe Burrow has looked great all season, but I was so impressed by the LSU defense. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa was back in this game, and I think that right. in the first half he just looked confused. Can I pause you for a second? Sure. Can we have Anthony say the <laughs> Alabama quarterback's name? Yeah, I like that. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa. That's not well, terrible. Not, That's I, not yeah. terrible. I thought it was going to be worse. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like it's like future Miami's Dolphin QB Tua. That's how yeah. I say. <laughs> Bengals. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, the 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 tanking is not working. But Brad, as but you what, say, yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll call him Tua for make it yeah. easy on us. I, I mean, he just looked confused in the first half, which, I mean, there were a couple times you see him coming off the field uh, after missing a couple passes, just shaking his head. You know, not not the two we're used to seeing against them. But can I ask in- you, is that because he was rushed back from his injury? Do you think? This is, yeah. I mean, yeah. so it's three weeks after his ankle surgery. Did he look like, like you said, did he look like the normal Tua because of a tough LSU defense or because of the injury, maybe both? I think it's a mix of both. I mean, the first half he looked very mobile. He looked he wasn't running the ball quite as much downfield as he normally would. Mm-hmm. But I, it seemed like he was able to evade pressure when he could. But I mean, when you have four huge LSU linemen coming right at you, no quarterback is escaping that. And, and I think that LSU made it difficult on him. I mean, they knew his ankle was going to be hurt. They knew that they could rush the passer. But Tua still missed a lot of throws downfield. You know, didn't diagnose the defenses properly. Stuff that we're not really used to seeing him do. Yeah, I mean, I think that there was definitely so. Obviously, you have the freak thing where he like. The ball, he just drops the ball like yeah. in the red zone. Um, he, in the first half, especially, he was missing some throws, which indicates to me that maybe that ankle was bothering him and he was having trouble planting but that he back did, foot. He did settle down in the second um, half, and he ended up throwing for four touchdowns once he kind of settled in. Right. I think that it was. Yeah. I, I give the credit to. LSU's I mean, it's just it, like if you're if you're Tua, it just like absolutely sucks that the game you have to come back against is LSU. Right. You don't get like there's no relief basically. And even after the game, I don't know if it was like trying to keep his pride intact, but he was like limping, limping off the field. So I who knows. The real question that I have is: Is Alabama toast, or is the, or is the college football commit playoff committee gonna like force them in at the number four seed? Uh, you know they have had a tendency to. The committee likes the SEC. Yes. Um, in case you were. So do uh, advertisers. So which do advertisers. I don't know if that has any you know coincidence. <laughs> I but... think it's going to be really difficult. the The only way in which I see a second SEC team in the playoff. Um, is Georgia, which I still think is absolutely on the table. I think we're going to have a pretty similar situation in the Big Ten mm-hmm. where we're going to have a – I mean, it's it's shaping up for a for a Georgia-LSU championship in Atlanta. Yeah, right. SEC absolutely. championship. 
And if you have a one-loss Georgia that wins the conference championship and let's say an undefeated LSU, I think there's absolutely a path. Um, and we're going to talk about Baylor in a second uh, and, and maybe Oklahoma a little bit. But I think there's a path where uh, we have two SEC teams still, but I do not think one of them will be Alabama. The other thing that I think was, I think that if you said it, asked me at halftime the answer to this question, I would say no way. When 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 Bama was down, you know, almost twenty points at halftime, and it looked like they were dead, I would say that you know, if had they gotten blown out in that game, there re- literally would have been no path for them, no matter how well they had done and what other chaos might have ensued in the in the SEC. But given the way that they fought back in the second half and, and kind of made it close and ended up, if you look at the box score, ended up making it look very very competitive. I think that, that that gives the committee enough wiggle room to put them in there should a couple of uh, a couple of other teams get a first loss. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with Ben where the only way it's looking I I, I think Bama is done from the playoff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so hard. I mean, it's really hard to justify a home loss in a series that you've like really dominated. Um and especially Eight straight w- up until that game. Right. And especially when you're going to have another like one loss Pac-12 championship, sure. it right. looks the, like the Pac-12 so. and, and Big 12 can really play spoilers uh, to a, a two-team Big Big Ten or a two-team yeah. SEC dream. Uh, we're gonna have to see how that shakes out with with Utah and and Oregon. We'll keep an eye on them, and then uh, Baylor squeaked one out on the road in TCU, which is uh, you know, which is I guess I don't know if you consider now, it a course, quality win, but a road win in college football. Of course, if you're Bama, right, and let's say they win out the rest of their schedule they're not going to the sec title game and lsu like kills georgia and oregon is the pac-12 championship a team like and assuming that alabama beat auburn which is oregon's one loss mm-hmm. i mean maybe you have an argument and you say that, that, that the pac- this, yeah, so, this is all i'm trying to say is that the committee has done some weird things in the past and i, I well, it's I not it's, out of the question it's slim that alabama gets in i'm saying that i think yeah. that the way that they made the fact that they made this game close Gives them the case. The, yeah, the I, other... think, I think if you're Alabama, you hope that like LSU just absolutely kills Georgia. Well, and I yeah. think the other wild card, and, and let's wrap up our college football yeah. talk here. The other wild card here is, is Clemson uh, dominated uh, this weekend as expected. There are a lot of questions. As of, they do basically every week. As weekend. they do every week. Um, the ACC, there was a second ACC team in the in the, uh, in the the top 25, Wake Forest, who lost this week to right. Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, ACC, the dumpster I, fire. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm really interested to see. I, I think Clemson moves up into the top four after this week, but I'd be very interested to see maybe if Clemson falters, has, a, has an ugly win, or, I mean, if, if they lose, they're done, but if they... Um, if there's a potential for an undefeated Clemson to get left out just due to the abysmal state think, of the ACC, I don't I think, think there is. They, I think yeah, given that they, what, no. that they but, won last year, yeah, no, yeah, they, no, you come no out way. like they always say that it's like the on-field product, um, and they have looked good. <clears> they, yeah, I mean, listen, they've looked really dominant. They haven't played that many people, but no, I think that there's some like institutional bias towards bringing them back. I will say, I and I can't leave out that I will be at the. Uh, LSU will miss game this Saturday. Go Rebs. So theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, the, Reb, the Rebs yeah. could screw it all up for LSU. Um, and I'll be and I'll be cheering for who, the Rebs this weekend. You will be cheering yeah. for the Rebs. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Right. Come on. No, I mean, bias. I mean, I don't want my girlfriend to break up with me. Fair, so fair. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I will say is seeing Coach O like almost crying on the field in his post game interview after beating Alabama was was something special. I mean, yeah. that's why you watch. Go Tigers. Yeah. So. Do we uh, want to talk about? Uh, do we want to talk about college basketball? Yeah, please. Yeah, let's spend a little bit of time on that. So, what a, a huge start to to the college football. Uh, sorry, college basketball season. We had the Champions Classic, where the top four teams uh, played each other. Uh, first time to In have the, Mecca. the 
No, well, according to Anthony Davis, Chicago is the mecca. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> Who could off forget? the record or on the record, <laughs> still undetermined. But uh, that was the first time that happened in about 25 years. Uh, two two great games. We're not going to spend too much time talking about that. But my quick takeaways would be Kentucky looked awesome. Uh, Duke's freshmen look like they're for real. Kansas has to play more dis- disciplined basketball. And I think Michigan State is uh, looks like they're the cream of the crop in the in the Big Ten, and, and we're going to come back to them later as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, listen, the start of college basketball season is just absolutely electric. I've been the um, our own home team, Maryland Terrapins, played two games here at uh, at the Xfinity Center, our seventh ranked. Um, yeah, Maryland Terrapins. I agree. Um, I thought, I mean, those four teams are always kind of perennial contenders. Um, so. You know, and the the road to um, you know, the championship runs through. Where's, runs the, final, through, where's yeah. the final four this year? I don't it's know. It's in uh, the Mercedes Benz in uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Jeez, Atlanta gets everything. I think I'm like don't I'm like 98 sure on that. Tell me, am I right? Yep. Yeah. Ah, well done. It's, it's always it's Chicago. always weird to Good me. Good on you. Back those yeah. uh, final four games at football stadiums. It just doesn't look right. Yeah. Anyways. But yeah, no. I mean, like like we kind of talked about a couple weeks ago that there are a few teams that you can say have final four expectations. And I think that those four teams are probably those four teams. Well, if you ask Anthony, yeah, though, Maryland said, would Anthony be one of those teams. We, too. we have Elite Eight expectations, but not Final gives Four. Gives me the sign. Uh, all right. Yeah. Okay, but should let's we talk, talk about Maryland? Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. So so one of the things that I want to do for Maryland basketball to kind of keep our thoughts straight is I think that it would be good for us to grade, like on an A to F scale, uh, the performances for maybe not every Maryland basketball game, but at least at least the big ones. Right. So I, I can go first. I think that first game against Holy Cross was a pretty easy win. I mean, they didn't look super convincing, but... As, mu- as as good as you could look in that game, I'd say like a B plus, A minus performance. And and then we get to the Rhode Island game. And this is where I think a lot of concerns shown yes. uh, kind of showed. I mean, I, I would give them like a C minus in this game. I think that it, it, they did end up winning. I'd be a little more generous, but. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, the top 10 teams are supposed to crush their inferior t- opponents. I think this is a big reason why Maryland did not move up in the, in the uh, AP poll today. The, the fact Mark Turgeon continuously has not had his teams ready to perform. Uh, to to start the season and against inferior opponents, he just does not get them up for these games, and that that happened again against URI. In the first, I mean, I, I can go through some stats here. In, in the first half, Maryland had we're not seven. They we had seventeen turnovers in the first game. How many of those were in the first half? What do you guys think? I think it wasn't it like fourteen. Fourteen or turnovers in the first half, three in the second half. We shot two free throws the entire first half. We shot thirteen for the rest of the game. We 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 we. Uh, I don't think we hit. We hit one three the, the first half. I mean, they just were not ready to play. They did not have their legs under them, and I think that's a real problem. So I think that second half is why against the, for the Rhode Island game, I would give them like a C plus overall. Obviously, the first half was abysmal, and I was losing my mind watching it live. Um, and then the second half, it looked like a completely different basketball team. Um, I mean, it so many things go wrong in the first half. Obviously, the turnovers are huge. They were just shooting bricks. Anthony Cowan had no points. Um, yeah. And then, and then it was like a completely different, Turned it different script. Yeah, which I is think, great. I mean, he ended up scoring like nineteen. Well, so the, the question so. I'll ask you based on that is, uh, I think all of your concerns about Turgeon not bringing his team, uh, getting his team ready for these kind of games, uh, we've seen it year after year. Oh, God, I. How many more years am I going to have to watch Mark Church and coach too many. The answer is too many. But the question is, um, this tale of two halves uh, in in that second game, that Saturday night game, does that give you a little bit of confidence? So we saw we saw it look like a rejuvenated Ant Cowan. Yes. Yeah, so we saw a. We this saw is an, quite an optimistic take. 
Well, Rat, like, no, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm the second play- half is good. I mean, instead look, of the I mean, first half is terrible. I would call this like the reverse devil's advocate. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know what you even call this perspective, <laughs> but we saw him break out the one three one zone, which seemed right. to, which, which seemed which, to be effective. If you listen to the post game interview, it looked like Turgeon made it seem like he didn't want to do. Turgeon kind of said like, "Oh, just... we've been practicing this. It looked good. You know, we kind of had to break it out in this game because we our man wasn't doing well." I, I don't know if I completely buy that, but but my kind of thought is that, you, you know. You, this won't work against good teams. Even uh, even like a you know like a top fifty Big Ten team. If you get down twelve points in the first half, yeah, you're gonna no have way. a really. You cannot re- rely on being stronger, faster, and bigger than the guys on the other team in any you know any conference game this year. Which which is what all they did against Rhode Island. I mean, yes, they started shooting better, but they got better, more offensive rebounds. They started turning not turning the ball over. They they hustled yeah. out their balls a bit more. Which you just can't rely on long term. So I think I mean when I when I look at the when I look at the road I mean I guess I should say for the record the Holy Cross game was fine I mean Wiggins didn't play that well but everybody else played great he, um, he got better the next game, yeah so. yeah the next game he he really showed up um, it's it's like like Ben kind of said it's a tale of two halves if the second half team shows up all year you have like a I think a legit contender I mean they they yeah, they, they played, played like the number seven team in the right country they, in played, the they played they yes, played great absolutely. basketball the first I mean. I think that there's reason, though, to believe that the team could will improve. I mean, so you have um, the Mitchell twins, like, both getting into foul trouble really early. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that— Speak, one, I mean, the refs called this game tight. Yeah, it which was I really think, bad. Which I think also kind of psyched Maryland out. Right. That, that for, especially for the freshmen who, who are used to just being better than everybody on their high school teams to come yeah. in here and try to just jump over somebody's back and get, foul, get a foul called on them. They weren't ready for that. The thing that I think is maybe now that we've seen for two games, and again, that's a small sample size, is the three-point shooting is really concerning. Definitely troubling. Um, they turned it around, though. So They, I mean, they we'll have see. guys. Um, where, to me, it's going to be interesting to see if our if our bigs can help stretch the floor, if, if they're going to have Jalen Smith. Uh, shoot threes. We saw Lindo do it a little bit. He made he made a three in that second game. Yeah, uh, but it's really that that guard three point shooting that's really concerning. So we so we wings. so the AP poll came out this afternoon, um, and we were expecting Maryland to move up from their seven spot maybe to six, given that numbers the previous number six Florida moved up. Instead, Maryland Florida, was actually, Florida, Florida lost. Florida yeah. lost. Florida, Florida, Florida yeah, State. Was, yeah, 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 exactly. Yes, they lost to Florida State. Um, instead, Maryland was jumped by UNC. Um, do you guys? What do you guys make of that? I mean, I think that UNC had a really good win over Notre Dame, who was certainly a better opponent than URI yeah. or Holy but we'll Cross. We'll get to we'll get and to play them later in the season. Yes, we will. Which which will be that'll be our first real test. I mean, URI was probably one of our top three non-conference play, opponents. Don't we have seen? Do we have? We, we have do have seen. Hall. So seen, yes. I think Seton Hall, before URI, Notre Dame? and uh, uh, right I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's right around the same time. Yeah, yeah. But either way, I mean, this is this is probably our third best non-conference opponent. So to you know, the second half looked great, but again, I think that the the first half and some of the concerns just not coming out and dominating from the beginning is, is probably why UNC jumped us, just given that they played a little bit better of a team than us. Um, yeah, no, I agree with all that. Ben, anything you want to add uh, regarding Maryland or college basketball as a whole? Well, I think I think with Maryland, if we're going to move on from Maryland, I think Brad wanted to wanted to recap the uh, the women's basketball game a little yes, bit. Yes, just very briefly. So. Women's basketball came out and won their first game against Wagner uh, on the field trip day, nonetheless. Uh, absolutely destroyed them. Not much to take out of that game. And then we had a big game against uh, South Carolina. Yeah. Where, um, where they're really trying to get people to show up yeah. to this thing. So eighth-ranked South Carolina versus number four-ranked Maryland. Um, they were trying to make it a whiteout, marketed the game really heavily, ended up only having about six or 7,000 people there. So not a, not a great showing. I mean, it was a Sunday during football, and I guess I understand that. 
But I, what concerned me more is that for the number four team in the nation, that's supposed to be an experienced team returning all four starters. First of all, they started three, two freshmen uh, and then had you know underclassmen get a significant amount of time in that game, which I thought was a little odd going up against such an experienced opponent in South Carolina. And the shooting was just terrible. I mean, 12 for 32 on layups and shots in the paint. Layups, tw- 12 for 32 on, I mean, that's the game right there. You hit four more layups, you lost the game by eight points, I and mean, that's the game. So I, I think that, you know, definitely a lot that they can improve on. The shooting, the three-point shooting was abysmal, too. They hit two threes in the entire game. So a, a lot to improve on there for, for Brenda Fries and her team. But that said, South Carolina didn't play much better. They ended up only losing by about 10. I didn't watch the game. So I did watch the game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you on this one. Yeah, I'm going to defer to our uh, women's <laughs> basketball expert. I appreciate that. And our <laughs> good job, producer. Brad. But the one thing I will say is that it's good for the freshmen to get the um, get the experience early on in the year so that when you know come tournament time, they know what it's like to play against a, a good opponent. Hey, we love Maryland. Go Terps. Yeah. Um, and Brenda Free is a fantastic coach, so I have a lot of faith in her, unlike Mark Turgeon. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Ben, do you want to talk a little bit? Um, obviously... Um, Cassius Winston, his brother just passed away, and he came back and had a really stellar performance. Um, you know what? It was it was quite something to see. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a really really sad situation for for Cassius Winston and uh, his family in the Michigan State community. Uh, but really really rallied and and gave a great performance in his brother's honor. Um, that's just unbelievably difficult, and uh, you know. Well, do you him. think? I mean, do you think that Winston is on on? It looks like he's on pace for like another All Big Ten, all kind of con- you know. I mean, he's the he was like the I think favorite he's for the that best player in the Big Ten. He, I, I, think, I don't yeah. really have a problem yeah. saying that. I'm not sure what his draft prospects. What are. do you think about overall in college basketball? Do you think like he's the best? I mean, I think he's going to be on the Naismith list for sure. I think right. I think he's at least one of the best seniors. Well, we're going to talk come about play all four years. But um, I mean, I mean, there are definitely some freshmen coming in who similar to what the freshman we saw last season can come in and you don't really know exactly what they're going to do, but they can be incredible. But I mean, Winston, what he's done over his time in Michigan state and he's, you know, him and Izzo have such a close relationship. I, I'd be hard pressed to not see him as a easily a top 10 player in, in the league. Absolutely. Yeah. There are some really talented freshmen. Uh, we saw Brad reference UNC earlier. Cole Anthony yeah, looked phenomenal. Like, most points for UNC freshmen in like 30 years, I think. Yeah. Crazy. Um, you know, the, the kids on, on Duke, Cassius Stanley, Matthew Hurt had, had some strong, uh, performances, uh, you know, we also saw return of uh, Ashton Hagens, who's who's not exactly a, a freshman, but but a young player as well. Um, and then one freshman in particular, I did want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, Wiseman in Memphis. Yeah, James Wiseman. Yeah. So for for all those that are uh, unfamiliar with the situation, the um, the NCAA ruled James Wiseman ineligible this this past weekend. Uh, the the story is that. Coach Penny Hardaway, who at the time of this incident uh, was, I believe, his high school coach, gave yeah. the gave the family uh, money to help them move um, to the to, to the Memphis area so that he could be closer to one of his family members. Um, the NC, uh, the NCAA has come back and said that um, I'm trying to find the exact. They've identified him as a booster um, in, in that kind of role. Um, you know, they, they, the booster definition is that only institutional staff members are permitted to recruit prospective student-athletes, so um, that comes in into conflict with their, their eligibility rules. Uh, I wanted to get your take on this, and then I'll, I'll fill in about um, this potential 
kind of fight that could go on here between Memphis and the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, I think that the fight you alluded to there is certainly going to happen. I mean, Memphis did play Wiseman despite the NCAA kind of deeming him ineligible. Well, so I think they got so they got a um a court like a court injunction. Yeah. yeah. So this is so this is kind of moving out. So the NCAA has their own like kind of arbitration process where they're both the prosecutor, the judge, and the jury. Um, this is actually now going into U.S. Um, federal court, I assume, right. and they're gonna. So there was an injunction, and will they'll kind of play it out from there. So this is this is moving along. But so so Memphis was able to actually play him. Um, because of that, yeah, it, I think the, I mean the whole situation is just really bad from the NCAA too. I mean, waiting until out an hour before the game to come out with this news, and again the, sa- the same thing we kind of talked about earlier with um, Chase Young. It's just that there's nothing. I don't think anything egregious is happening here. Yes, it might, you know, there might be a law in the NCAA, you know, 200 page rule book that this seemingly violates. But the way that they handle the situations is really what's more concerning to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like no. It it's it's partially the fact that you know the NC. I think like a, a ridiculous amount. I think like sixty percent of the NCAA's revenue comes from the March Madness tournament. It's a ridiculous amount of money that they get. Yeah, the tournament so, makes more than the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really it's it's really crazy. And so the combination of the fact that the, you know they're going to make so much money off of this particular individual because he's a rumored you know NBA first overall pick. In addition to the fact that there's almost no empathy displayed in the fact that, you know, kids from needy backgrounds might need assistance um, at some point in their life. And because they need to they are literally required to play college athletics to go to the NBA. There's like it's just so frustrating to see. It's it's a little. Yeah, it's it's difficult, um, especially given the. Uh, the actual scope of authority that the NCAA has. And, right. and I'm going to talk about that in a second. Uh, I mean, I would say that, that that said, like, if Memphis didn't have a recruiting violation, they have to know that going into it. And, you know, they have to be better about that because we're, there, there are these rules in place. And as much as we don't like them, they, they do need to be followed. But this is particularly capacity, but, incredulous because... Of course, no, but but well, I think that... Do you realize Memphis, this happened five years before... Five years? Five years before Penny Hardaway was even the coach of Memphis. I mean, there's no potential foresight from the university that uh, this this could, you know, be a violation. I mean, the... Yeah. And- I think that, you know, I agree the NCAA handled the whole situation horribly. Right. And that there was no... The way that they came out with the news and the way that they... The way that they're acting, you know, since the court's injunction and whatnot is, is ridiculous. But at the same time, I mean, the rule is there. And I think what's the bigger issue is that the rule needs to be changed. So, I mean, my kind of like kind of going a little more meta on the discussion a little bit. The the problem that I have always had is that if if, for example, you want to be a baseball player, there is a whole minor league system that you can go into and you can you know, kind of bypass the NCAA if that's what you choose to do. What do you mean? Wait, my, you mean going to like a you can go country straight or? from no, no. You, you can go straight go, from high school to you the you minor leagues versus in the NFL and the NBA. The NBA, because of a rule, you literally have to go to college or be an amateur in a foreign country or a professional in a foreign country rather. Or if you're in the NFL, just you know, they don't draft kids out of high school. You are required to go through the NCAA's BS, no matter what you do, and you're basically forced to take. A pay cut off of your true market value, so that you well, can get you go future to, earnings. Unless you go to Kentucky or Duke, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's just yeah, the most frustrating. I mean, this kid, <laughs> right? If, our pay, I know. <laughs> if there was, it, it, it's so it. clear. If there was no one and done rule, this kid would be in the NBA right now, hundred percent. So I mean, it's just a lot, but along with you know, 
25, 30 other players. Yes, absolutely. And, and so the and just in case people are, are curious about this 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 guy, Wiseman, is projected to be the number one, one is largely right. projected to be the number one pick. Uh, another comment I have on this situation, just uh, back to my comment on what the NCAA can do, as far as from an eligibility perspective, um, there is nothing the NCAA can do to prevent Wiseman from playing this season. So with the injunction uh, that they filed, the NCAA has no authority to prevent Wiseman from playing. And, and that's what, what Hardaway said, is there's nothing they can do now. Well, can't they, retro- va- they can vacate their, the, yes. the season so or whatever? The, yeah. So there's nothing they can do to prevent him from playing games this season, but they could suspend Hardaway, they could vacate wins, and they could take away Memphis's March Madness eligibility. Right. So this is really going to be an interesting battle for like you know what chicken, yeah. Right. What the NCAA is willing to do, what Memphis is willing to able to do, because the only person that can suspend uh Wiseman is the university president of, of Memphis. So that's that's like quite interesting because you kind of wade into a territory where you know, if you're Wiseman, you do have t- teammates that are also getting looked at, and Memphis is a good program. So that would be tough if, you know, if the university, obviously, it would be great if they stand with their player, but there are other implications with that, and there's a whole roster of guys that would have, you know, wins vacated, not not being able to show off in the tournament and stuff. So that that would be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I, we'll, we'll uh, keep an eye on the situation and see how it plays out. Uh, but let's move to professional sports. Yes, for, where you can get paid for, for a little services. bit. We're going to talk some cricket. No. Uh, we are, uh, we're just, cricket fans yeah, now. We are, if anybody would like to talk cricket, please uh, hit us up in the DMs. Please teach. We'll Anthony talk about Val- the overs. Anthony Valdez and I have become uh, big cricket fans. The overs after, uh, and the tests the and the, yes. the bowlers. bowlers but, we know, watched a documentary. Lots of sixes. Yes. Lots of sixes. No, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk some NFL football. Yes, so um, there was a Sunday night game last yeah, night. let's start there. The Cowboys against the Vikings. Um, the Cowboys fell short at home, uh, 28-24. Um, it, it was Valdez, quite the game. you're the resident Cowboys fan. Yeah, so, so I was extremely—we were all watching all right, it together. that's enough. No. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we were all watching it together. I was extremely frustrated the entire game. Um, I The play calling at the end, I— believe was especially egregious you have basically Dak with the opportunity to have a game-winning drive if you score a touchdown played great Dak played fantastic lights out I would say I would say even MVP level I mean one might say he was dancing he was dancing all over the cat yeah yeah they showed this like weird video of him shaking his hips or uh, you can find it online yeah um no and instead you have I think it was second and two and they decide on like the fifth 15 yard line or something like that and they decide to run twice uh and the and the cowboys lose um so it was extremely frustrating this is one of the things that i've seen throughout the season is that when the cowboys go to their regressive run first play calling bad things happen when we go to our aggressive um pass first play calling and rely on deck good things happen because he's a good quarterback yeah, that was that that last drive was just particularly difficult to watch as as a fan of, of football. Dak was, you know, he was putting together a nice drive, reeling off these. Mm-hmm. Amari Cooper, by I the was, way, played out that of was his mind. What I was gonna go yeah, to next. and we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, the benefit of trading first round picks for good players. Yeah, <laughs> um, seriously, it's, it's amazing how that works, and it's. Again, I think this is just it's it's amazing yeah. how bad Derek Carr is uh, to to but, not be able to get a, I mean, a receiver th- th- of that. This, this game had the feeling all day that it was going to come down to the last drive. I mean, yes, yep. Minnesota got up early, but Dallas. I think I credit. literally said that. Yeah, you probably during did. the game. I think yeah. you called. I might have been yeah. playing Clash of Clans, but <laughs> shout out Clash of Clans. Yeah. But um, 
but no, I mean, that, that the entire last Dallas drive looked weird. But I think we also have to look at the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Ben, I know right. you have a well, lot of thoughts there. And uh, what did you see out of Cousins? Sure. So so Cousins brought his sublime. No, that that is uh, that was sarcasm. He has been <laughs> in terrible under the lights. Uh, traditionally, he already lost a primetime game earlier this year. Uh, if, if you can consider Thursday night to be primetime. Uh, he looked like a quarterback. Like, yeah, I, I really didn't I mean, think he was particularly impressive. I think I who thought, looked great, though, was Dalvin Cook. Dalvin yeah, Cook, yeah. And that's was... what I was going to say. He was, I mean, a lot of those pass yards were, were these these screen plays. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he did this without Thielen tonight, um, so there is something right. to be said for that. But um, Diggs was able to make some big plays. Uh, he got, I mean, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you guys watched, but he there was this play earlier in the game where it looked like Cousins was throwing the ball out of the end zone and his tight end uh, made a phenomenal toe-tapping, one-handed grab in the back yeah, of the real. end zone to to uh, make that play. So I, I was not overly impressed by Cousins. I think his stats uh, were a little bit better than than how he played. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they, they got the W and, and are, you know, looking like they're in line for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, when I look at, like, obviously Kirk Cousins played as well enough where Dak had – the oppor- the Cowboys basically had the opportunity to win the game. Yeah, at Dak the end. was definitely better. Yeah, I mean, well, and I mean, basically, Cousins. If 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 you have like half competent play calling, Cousins loses the game. Um, and so I think what was more concerning, at least from a Cowboys uh, fan perspective, was the ability for the Vikings just to absolutely run the ball at will was super concerning. The Cowboys have a fantastic defensive line where we get a lot of pressure. The thing that is really scaring me is that. Our linebackers were supposed to be kind of the core of the defense. You have Leighton Vanderesh, Jalen Smith, um, Sean Lee. And if all linebackers not named Jalen Smith played really bad, I mean, it was it was really bad. Um, Leighton Vanderesh has regressed significantly this year. He, the injury, I think, has it. No, nah, it was before that, though. He continues to take bad lines. Um, he gets beat constantly. The Cowboys were had terrible tackling. Um, they get no safety help because mm-hmm. we haven't invested in the safety. So, I mean... The, it's a good thing the, you didn't try to trade for Jamal Adams. Well, well, you know, and it's a good thing that that's not exactly how the Cowboys lost in the um, NFC Divisional round last year where C.J. Anderson ran all over us. Exactly. So, oh, oh, wait. Yeah. It's exactly how we lost. So, I mean, I don't know. That part is frustrating. Um, basically, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I'm annoyed. I... Uh, you know, I, I think we can move on for this game, but uh, the the one thing that does excite me is uh, good primetime matchups. We uh, yes. we talked to nauseum last week about the the great matchup we saw in New, uh, in Baltimore, uh, where we see a great one last night, and we have we have another exciting matchup uh, coming up tonight. Niners hosting the Seattle Seahawks, and a bunch of great games on the slate uh, coming up in in a couple uh, weeks. We have uh, next week's primetime game is Rams Bears, and let's talk Bears for a, for a brief second. Yeah, just yeah. touch on some other NFL games uh, here. Bears pulled out a, a win against Matt Patricia. Hot seat, Matt Patricia. Hot seat, Matt Nagy. Um, hot seat, both. Everybody. Hot seat, both. The, yeah, those those are both candidates to be fired at the end of the year. Um, I think this was an impressive win for them, and if they can get it done next week in LA, we're looking at a Bears team that could be could actually yeah. be competing Matt, for a playoff yeah, spot. Certainly, I mean, somehow they're in playoff contention. Still. Just a lot, just yeah, which is which is crazy to me. Trubisky threw three touchdowns, which is like you never would have seen that coming. I mean, the, the play calling was a little bit better today. Nagy still, I think, does not really know what he's Nagy doing. Called the offense. I, there are room. Ditka does. I, there are. <laughs> 
I mean, there are rumors coming out of it that he does. Then the next week it's he doesn't. Because that, that if he, so if he doesn't call the offense, this like reeks of me of firing an offensive coordinator at the end of the year, yeah. and then Nagy stays. Um, if he does, if he's like assumed responsibility for the offense, that's it's a little harder to get around. But I think that Patricia is more of a hot seat candidate, um, given that just the way that the Lions have played their defense. If you're like allowing points to the Chicago Bears offense at this point, there's a problem, and Patricia is supposed to be a defensive mind. True. So um, I would I would certainly be a little bit more concerned. I I kind of believe in like giving coaches at least three years. So this is Patricia's second year. I would give him one more year, but wouldn't. Yeah, super- I'm surprised you didn't get into your fire Jason Garrett rant earlier. But I think yeah. I mean we can really save that for any week. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, that was that was kind of implicit in the play calling. But yeah, and, I mean, uh, the Lions were without Stafford that game, which yeah, I think made it definitely like, made a difference. Uh, some broken right. bones in his back, which is bad for uh, being able to play yeah. football. So, so, so Ben, your Falcons with a little bit of an anti tank. Uh, beating the Saints pretty handedly. What did you think of that? Ben game? was actively rooting against yeah, this he, team. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I am I am rooting for the future of this franchise, and and I don't want to spend too much time on this. <laughs> yeah, just um, quick quick reaction. But uh, you know that's divisional games are always tough. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, that that team they just look good, and and New Orleans look flat. Um, I brought up concerns. I guess it would have been two two weeks ago uh, about how Drew Brees looked in his return against Arizona. Then they had the bye week. Um, still does not look like the Drew Brees have passed, um, but uh, you know the, the Falcons are, are you know should be competing for a top five pick and uh, manage to win a game. And speaking of teams that are really bad, uh, the <laughs> Bengals still uh, wah, the, wah, wah. the only winless team in the NFL uh, led up forty nine points to the Lamar Jackson led Baltimore Ravens, who beat the Patriots last week. In case anyone forgot. Uh, what do we think Brad, of how? Did you forget? I tried to. <laughs> what do we think of how Lamar Jackson looked this week? Let's let's read off some of his stats, Brad. If uh, I don't have them up, but I will listen and I will. Fifteen correct. for seventeen, two hundred twenty-three yards, three touchdowns in the air, perfect pass rating. They played someone really. They played a really good defense, though, right? They did not. Yeah, sixty-five that's, that's yards on the ground and a touchdown, including that miraculous uh, forty-seven-yard scamper where he. Uh, I think ran past three defenders and then spun around another. Oh my god, uh, he did a spin move. He Can you believe that? He did a spin I think move he's everybody. My, I think he's my MVP right yeah, now. Yeah, no. Especially ja- after how McCaffrey got shut down in Green Bay. Yeah, no. Ja- yeah. Jackson had an incredible game, but I think that I mean, they looked very good against the Patriots defense as well, but right. this this is this is the Bengals defense we're talking about here. I think that you know, they they did some weird stuff. They put the, they had their Heisman backfield with RG3 and Mark Ingram in uh, in the same package. I mean, they were just having fun out there. I mean, the Bengals did not uh, did not do anything that would to attempt to stop them, really. Um, my, my thoughts on this game is that, yes, Lamar Jackson is great. He's certainly in the forefront uh, of the MVP discussion. But uh, to say that he's the best quarterback you've ever seen after this game, now, I think last, it's a bit of an overstatement. Last week, my friend Buck asked, you know, how good is Lamar Jackson? And, and we both, I think we all we were like in agreement. Deferred, yeah. yeah, we deferred. We said we want to, you know, look up some stats. I'm going to read some stats. We now have 16 Lamar Jackson starts. We have a full season's body of work. Okay. Wins through 16 games, 13. Compared to Patrick Mahomes, that's 12. Rush yards, and this is through these respective players for 16 games. Lamar Jackson, 12 under 58. LaDainian Tomlinson, 1,236. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Passer rating, 94.4. Tom Brady, 90.1. Yards per attempt, Lamar Jackson, 7.6. Aaron Rodgers, 7.5. Completion percentage, Lamar Jackson, 63. Drew Brees, 61%. Now, 16 games over two seasons. Um, 
especially the way he's able to run the ball and, and the jump it looks like he's made in the passing game, it's really difficult to, you know, to think of him as anything less than a elite quarterback and a perennial MVP candidate in this league. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see, I mean, all, I'm going to continue to reserve judgment. Just to, I mean, there have been so many quarterbacks that have come into the league like him. Um, what do you mean a, like him? Well, no, like a run, kind of a run first quarterback. And every time it happens and every time they have like some amount of success. One of it's his like, teammates, actually. It's Yeah, RG3, basically. They're, it's like, has the quarterback position changed forever? And I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's like when the broken fibula comes, then like, I guess we'll see he's how good. he rebounds. He's very yeah. good, but I don't think I hope he doesn't get injured. I hope he learns how to slide. He's not a Hall of Famer yet. Uh, let's talk about a few other games. We have a couple minutes left before we get into listener questions. Uh, Dolphins, also the anti-tank, beat the Colts. Colts were in uh, first place in the AFC South, uh, now leaving the door wide open for the Texans. We have... Again, another quarterback injury and Jacoby Brissett kind of playing a role in that game, I think. Right. Really, really want to see Chad Kelly out there. Yeah, that's uh, why. Let's talk, let's talk Chiefs-Titans for a second because that, that was an interesting game. Uh, Anthony, what were your thoughts about how Patrick Mahomes looked in his return from injury? Um, the the botched field goals at the end of the game that led and the and the last second uh, Ryan Tannehill drive. I thought Mahomes looked fine. He looked I he, did too. he looked really good actually. He had that like little jump pass thing. The Chiefs special teams were horrendous. Yeah, yeah. I mean lost Mahomes the threw for almost 450 yards and, and yeah. three touchdowns. No, he looked normal. The Chiefs special teams looked really bad, and that's what cost him the game. I don't. I wouldn't read into anything like you know he's struggling with injury. I think that this was. Um, no, this was very good for the Titans. It kept their season alive, and it was a must-win. So I think that those combi- you know, the combination of the poor special teams play, plus the, you have the Titans with their backs up against the wall. It was kind of a yeah. I mean, the, the the Kansas City dominated in basically every statistical category in this game, and they just couldn't pull it out at the end. And, I echo everything. And to move on, Brad, I want to get your thoughts on this game. Panthers losing to the Packers in snowy Lambeau. The Packers uh, at... beating the Panthers. Panthers yes. losing to the Packers. Yep. Depending on how you want to look at that, I mean, there was that last that goal line stand where McCaffrey uh, wasn't able to get it in. Right. Had yeah. Those by three like plays. an inch. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Uh, it's twenty four sixteen game. The Packers. People may not realize this, but they're eight and two. First place now in the NFC. Yeah. Um, what What do we think about this Packers team? The Vikings are, you know, look good as well, but. Uh, so my, the I mean, so, lose to the yeah, so I are they on, the cream of the crop? I the came NFC? on the show and said that the I I like the Saints is my favorite, and then they went and lost this game against the Falcons. I had just chalked that game up as a as a W, and that'll teach me to you know. And get, I apologize. the The Niners are actually the one seed. Aiden. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I right, right, right. I think at this point, if I mean, obviously, I have a feeling that the Saints are going to rebound, but just from a pure numbers point of view, it's going to be. Um, I don't know. I think do the Packers and the Saints play each other? Not sure. I mean, I will. I will say about this game too. I was very happy to see some snow football. Yeah, nothing like uh, some nice snow football. But I mean, Aaron Rodgers looked pretty good in this game, but not great. Didn't have a touchdown pass. Uh, threw for about two hundred and thirty yards. But I mean, I I think that that generally the, the Packers are definitely uh, they're legit, and any any Aaron Rodgers team is good. And and that Packers defense has really turned it around. They're, that's kind of been their suspect spot the past few years, and they seem to be really looking pretty good this year so far. Yeah, we have we have that Niners matchup tonight, and we're going to talk about that briefly. But they uh, the the Packers go into San Francisco next week, uh, which mm. which will be a battle of the mm. two top teams in okay. the NFC. That'll be really uh, good. Do we want to do a quick preview of the Monday night game and then go into listener questions, or yeah. do we just want to skip right to listener? Why don't we, I mean, yeah. Quick I mean, preview. Yeah, I think, so you have um, the undefeated 49ers are taking on the um, Seattle Seahawks. Obviously, Russell Wilson is considered by some to be having an MVP caliber season. Um, it's going to be in at um, 
in San Francisco at uh, Levi Levi Stadium. Um, you know the the Forty Nine er defense just came off of a a game that they won, but a pretty tough game against the Arizona Cardinals, headed by Kyler Murray. Um, Seattle seems to be playing better on the road this season than they than they do at home. Um, I don't really know what to make of this game and and who has the edge. Um, yeah, I mean the Seahawks only lost in, lost in their last five games just to Baltimore, who we just talked about as being a great team uh, with Lamar Jackson there. I, I, I mean, I think this is going to be a really close game. I, I, I don't, I really can't give an edge either way. I mean, the, the 49ers have not shown much weakness so far, so uh, maybe they have the edge, right. but but they of course haven't be played like right. Yeah, right. So I, I want to get to our listener questions, but just quickly, um, they what Anthony was alluding to earlier. The Seahawks are four zero on the road, which is quite odd considering their three and two home record uh i i think given the long week for san francisco to prepare you know they had the thursday night game and now Mm -hmm. play monday night uh i think we could see a refocused san francisco team that will make for a tough battle but i think russell wilson uh primetime russ gets it done here uh on the road and and puts the seahawks back in contention for the nfc west let's do some listener questions ben i got one for you speed round as our nba uh resident nba fan uh, this question comes from my cousin, Ben Moss. Ben, what are your early NBA thoughts? Um, Thanks, cousin. Yeah, th- thank you. You're Shout welcome. out to Ben Moss, friend of the program. <laughs> uh, I, I'm i a, a somewhat of the opinion that it's really difficult to make reactions to the NBA before Christmas. Uh, I mean, the Lakers last year were the, what, third, they, they were the third best team in the West uh, and then wound up not even making the playoffs. LeBron gets hurt. Um, I think the usual suspects look great. Steph Curry's... Uh, hand injury, you know, and the and the future of the Warriors is, is really uh, up in the air. The Celtics look good. The yeah, Celt- are- Celtics now stand alone with the best record in the, in the NBA. I mean, obviously Hayward's hand injury will hurt them, but it looks like he's not going to be out uh, more than a month or so, so that'll help. Yeah, the, the Sixers look great as well, too. Um, Joel Embiid putting up dominant numbers, even though uh, Ben Simmons expected to miss a little bit of time. Uh, and how good does LeBron and AD look? I mean, they are both looking like MVP candidates in their own right. Uh, who's the bald guy? The bald Alex Caruso. Yeah, yeah dude, bald <laughs> Caruso, dude. Love yeah. that dude. Um, but I want to get to to our last question to wrap up the show. Uh, shout out to my sister Meredith, uh, listening from uh, international territories. Ooh. <laughs> undisclosed, undisclosed. Uh, uh, yeah, secret, secret. Uh, and her friend Lauren. So we have a question from her friend Lauren. She said, "I was wondering if you think that Melvin Gordon's contract dispute with the Chargers may be one of the reasons why they are suffering so bad." Or is it his absence from the first part of the season really had no substantial effect, or and is it something else? So, what are what are your thoughts on that? I mean, one, I think I think so. There was like a potential speculation that he was on the trade block, which I think, despite what players say, gets into the mind of at least of at least that player. I don't know. The Chargers always seem to like do this where they like they drop like a ton of games and then it wouldn't surprise me if they like win out or something yeah, crazy I mean, like that. That's just kind so. of Phillip Rivers always. And I think that there's always something to say for players missing um, training camp and, you know, how they fit into the team. And I mean, I think there's definitely distractions on that team and that the Chargers over time have always kind of done the same thing, just like you just said, Valdez. And I don't know that that the distraction is definitely there, but I don't know that it's the reason, the only reason that they're, they're failing. Yeah. They, they uh, have a lot of divisional games to end the season. Uh, I think we've seen, we saw another running back holdout with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, who and he came back and looked okay. I think Philip Rivers is actually leading the league in passing yards, but uh, I, I think there there are a lot of other factors at play, and I think Anthony Lynn's a big one of them. All right, that's the show for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been the Injury Report. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.